inside the final day of the Georgia legislative session. Mr. Speaker, I move that this House stand adjourned, sunny die. On the motion to adjourn, this House stands adjourned, sunny die. Welcome to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Greg Bluston, along with your other host, Patricia Murphy. We're here to take you behind the scenes of the final day of the 2023 Georgia Legislative Session. We're going to give you interviews with lawmakers, with lobbyists, with reporters, with operatives, and give you a behind-the-scenes look at the final frenzied marathon day that ends the 40-day legislative session. And we're going to give you a live play-by-play of the passage of the state budget in the Georgia Senate. If you're just listening to us for the first time, we invite you to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, leave a review and share Politically Georgia with a friend. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. We are here at the state capitol under the gold dome for Sine Die 2023. We're doing a live behind the scenes look of the final day of the Georgia General Assembly. And Patricia, it has been a, already a, a kind of day of fits and starts. There's been some action. It hasn't been, uh, uh, you know, uh, rollicking <laughs> a mile a minute. But that's kind of how these days go, right? Uh, and a lot of time, the biggest action comes right before midnight or it's, right after it. It's true. It's true. And. You'll notice around the halls, it is just not as crowded as it was for crossover day. Now, we expect it to get more crowded as the clock gets closer to midnight. But also, this is sort of the finals of this contest for the year. It's like if you miss the cut for a golf tournament, there just are fewer people in the locker room. There just are not as many lobbyists here pushing their bills because there are fewer bills now up for final consideration. But there's still lots of people out in the hallways, lots of people pressing their cases for lawmakers, but it's really getting down to the wire here right now. It's about 3.30 on Wednesday afternoon of Sine Die. They've got until midnight, and some a number of these debates are going to end up taking hours. Yeah. So it's it, we're getting to the very small number of bills that are, that are going to get real attention, and then kind of an increasing number of bills that might get tucked into something without anybody noticing, and that's what this day is all about. And before we make the rounds in the state capitol, let's talk about the lay of the land right now. Um, One of the biggest bills we're watching is the school voucher bill. $6,500 per student vouchers. It helped pay for private school education or homeschooling. This is a sort of under-the-radar measure that passed the Senate early and looked like it was going to be bottled up in the House. Well, then Governor Brian Kemp came out in unequivocal terms supporting this, gave it 
sort of an extra push, extra energy. And it's about, as you mentioned, it's about 3.30. And just now, uh, the House called a very abrupt meeting of the Rules Committee, uh, which basically means that they quickly met behind the scenes um, to amend the bill. It looks like there might be, uh, that to me seems, seems like there might be a compromise on this voucher bill going forward with the Senate for language that the Senate, the House, and the governor all agree upon. But we'll see. <laughs> a lot of things happen even before our very eyes, and we're not really quite sure what they mean that moment. Um, we'll get the story, the full sort of the full picture uh, later on tonight. But it looks like there could be some new traction for school vouchers. The other big bill we're looking at, Patricia, is sports betting, which doesn't look like it is going to go anywhere. Uh, I talked to a number of Senate Democrats this morning who stayed there, continue to be locked down on that bill, uh, not because they don't support it, but because they want to exact a price from Republicans for backing bills like the transgender health care bill that we've talked about so much on the show. Yes, once you get to sine die, which is today, you lose the kind of hope springs eternal feelings in the chamber that we saw on crossover day. People still thought that their bills might have a chance of passage. By the time you get to sine die, you really have people who have forged alliances and then also, in some cases, made some enemies. And in the case of sports betting, um, the Democrats are still very, very angry about how the transgender health care bill went down. And they're in no mood to do a favor for the Republican leadership over there in the state Senate. And that's who needs the favor. Um, doesn't look like they're going to get that favor right now unless something really, really changes. And so signing die is also a day where you settle some scores. Yep. You're like, you know what? It was a 40-day session. And um, up to this point, you've done nothing for me. And I feel like doing nothing for you. You know what? Spiro, do you want to be? Spiro? Could be an interview. you want to come? We are doing a sort of behind-the-scenes look. At, yeah, and you've you've survived a number of sighted eyes. Yeah. We are joined by Spiro Amburn, uh, the speaker John Burns, the chief of staff. He was also the chief of staff to David Ralston. Uh, we're just talking about the unique <laughs> the unique day that we're in the middle of right now. Uh, how many sighted eyes have you survived, yeah. and what's it like? It's funny. I was actually just having a conversation with someone. This will be my fourteenth just in the speaker's office. I mean, I've been around here a long time, so it's probably 25 or more at this point, but in the speaker's office, this will be my 14th. But uh, they start to pile up after a while. <laughs> they take their toll. Um, but I was telling them, right about now, it's, you know, getting close to four o'clock. This is about the time things start getting weird. You know, uh, we've had sort of a slow day for the most part, but things will really start to pick up. You know, we have the budget conference committee report yet to pass and a lot of other issues that are in play and the the tension and the stress start to build you know with the midnight deadline looming and uh, Spiro, first of all, people can't see you right now, but you look fresh as a daisy. Your suit is <laughs> pressed flat as well, a new book. Um, it's a but, facade. <laughs> but I am always struck down here how much stamina it takes for these members and for staffers to keep going all the way through midnight yeah. on day 40. But what are you... What kind of horse trading happens behind the scenes? We don't need any any mm -hmm. uh, details on anything. But Although our you members, can you can't feel free to give them. Our members going to other members to say, I'd really like to get this across. Can you help me right now? What kinds of conversations yeah. are happening that our listeners don't know about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are a host of issues that are in play, uh, as you can imagine, that are important to each individual member 
here and they all have their own unique relationships with members of the other body so it's relationship driven you know they're going to their friends and people who they've worked with in the past um, who can maybe help them if a, if a house member has a, a bill in the senate or a senate member has a bill in the house uh, there's a lot of that conversation and dialogue taking place Another new dynamic, of course, is a new speaker and a new lieutenant governor. Yeah, for the first time since the 60s, I believe, which is uh, pretty cool to be a part of that. And, um, you know, from my perspective, I think they've both done a really good job of handling that responsibility in their first session and kind of developing a relationship and trying not to do too much too soon and focus on the big issues. And um, last question, because this is Speaker Burns' first session, um, how do you think he's going to look back at this session, how it's gone for him personally and professionally? Well, we were joking with him yesterday that being Speaker is not all it's cracked up to be. Um, No, he's actually doing a great job. I mean, he's had a front row seat uh, for several years now as Majority Leader and over 15 years in the House. So he had a lot of on-the-job training, but, um, you know, I think he'll be remembered as someone who really came in and kept, kept the steady hand and um, really transitioned uh, smoothly. And over the course of time and really beginning this session, we'll start to put his, his fingerprint on things and, and start to build his legacy. And I truly expect that that will happen sooner rather than later. Will vouchers get across the finish line tonight? I can't uh, confirm it or deny or make any predictions on that. <laughs> like a pro. Well, thank you, Spiro. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, we know we have another visitor. Now we're joined by State Representative Syra Amir Draper. I'm the only one who uses her middle name because that's how I know her as from high school at North Springs in circa 2000. Um, but Syra, Representative Draper, thank you so much for joining us. You were our first guest for our our crossover day behind the scenes podcast. Um, now you're in your first Signy Die. Has it lived up to all of your expectations so far? Yeah, Signy Die has been, um, well, actually, it's been oddly calm so far this morning. We haven't seen a lot of activity. I don't know why that is, but, you know, to me, the less that comes forward, the better it is. There's several bad bills that we're worried about coming to the floor, and the less time we have, I think that's a good thing. Now, give us an update on the bill that you had introduced. When we talked to you on Crossover Day, you had just introduced your first bill and it had gotten a hearing in the Rules Committee. What's the update on that? Yeah, so, I mean, that bill, it got a, it was bipartisan bill. It got passed unanimously out of subcommittee and committee, you know, got, went to the floor where the floor, uh, the, excuse me, went to the Rules uh, Committee where the rules chairman told me he liked the bill. Um, But I think, you know, as a Democratic freshman, you have to have your expectations in check. Um, And that's where it has remained since crossover day. So we haven't seen it move forward uh, since then. Okay, so it's a frenetic day. A lot of things are happening. How do you keep track of everything? Because right now, you're right, it's right now it's slow, but trust me, we're at 11 p.m. where they're doing a bill a second, <laughs> or a billion, maybe a bill a minute. It won't seem so slow anymore. 
Yeah, so we have a lot of paper on our desk right now. We are using this downtime to go through the paperwork and try to understand all the significant changes that have been made to these bills. And, you know, frankly, that's my big conclusion uh, from this session. You know, the process by design is very convoluted, very complicated, and I think that speaks to the transparency, right? Um, if we don't know what is happening and don't understand the full implications of what we are voting on, that's ultimately bad for Georgia voters. Um, the the conference committee process in particular, it's like all of our work for the last 40 days doesn't matter. It just comes down to what three Democrat, or excuse me, three House members and three Senate members decide. Um, so that's been very eye-opening that all of the deliberation can almost be thrown out the window and it just comes down to those folks. You procrastinators. Well, it's not me. <laughs> and what is your strategy as Democrats? And I don't know if y'all have a caucus-wide strategy, but you're on the floor. You've already mentioned a few bills that you consider bad bills that you don't want to see passed tonight. What's the strategy from your point of view? Sorry, Patricia, I can't divulge our strategy. You can. No. <laughs> <laughs> you should. <laughs> Look, I think we are very much seeing how it goes, right? Because we have our views on some bills. We don't know what the final versions of those bills are. So depending how good or how bad those are, I think that's going to impact how we vote on those bills and how we vote on subsequent bills, particularly if those subsequent bills require our votes. Well, thank you, Representative Draper. Yep. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. We are now here with State Representative Alan Powell, Republican from Hartwell, the chairman of the Regulated Industries Committee in the House and a legend unto his own rights here at the <laughs> state capitol. We're giving our listeners a behind the scenes look at what it's like to be on Sunny Die. You've been to a few of these. What do you expect? Uh, what, 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 what's it like to be a lawmaker sitting in that chamber for hours upon hours voting vote after vote after vote? You know, I'm going to tell you, this hadn't changed in 33 years. It's all the same. You do a culmination of 40 days or three months worth of work. A lot of it goes down the pits, uh, things that come back. I mean, you know, a lot of the stuff that we were had hopes for disappears. It evaporates into there. You have to ask yourself your question, where did it go to? And that's part of the process. You see things that reappear that you thought were dead, and then they reappear. But that's part of the process. It's not pretty. The old saying is like making sausage. I would say sausage is being very delicate in this process. But, you know. As far as changes, it hadn't changed. The only thing I can tell you that's changed is the smell of the house chamber. We don't have varsity dogs hauled in by the truckloads like they once did. Or cigarettes or liquor. Or well, cigars. Let's, well, let's not get meddling now. But, <laughs> uh, but, you know, once upon a time, they used to vote green for hot dogs and red for hamburgers. But they always brought onions by the ton. And they would put them in the ante room on the other side. It was the worst smell that you, you, you couldn't imagine that varsity dogs could stink up a chamber as big as a house chamber, but it did. So now, members are pretty good. They have dinners in their offices. We have catered stuff and all of that. So that's a certain benefit to it. So some things have changed, some things have not. How different is it to be in the majority versus the minority? How much better is that for you and what you're trying to get through? You know, I've been in the majority, I've been in the minority, I've been an independent up here. You know, after uh, after Speaker Murphy and Terry Coleman's day, uh, you had a certain change that, that I considered personally my own standard was an insult to the people of Georgia, and I wouldn't switch parties. The party I was a member of didn't want me because they said I really wasn't their brand of a Democrat, and I wasn't. 
and uh, I stayed in the wilderness for several years thanks to the people in my district, which are conservative, always have been as a rule, but it was the, quote, Republicans and the conservatives that kept me in during that period of time that I kept fighting the stuff that I didn't think was right. And then, of course, when Nathan was elected and uh, the one before him went out and the speakership changed, then, you know, I felt obligated that I could move to that point. Now, I will tell you, the greatest fallacy is the current Republican majority. They ain't a whole lot different from the old Tom Murphy Democrats of the day. The Tom Murphy Democrats, rural Democrats, were physically conservative and less government meddling in the social issues. So I can't see a lot of difference where I am now than where I started at. The other side, on the other hand, have become more more oriented, more toward the more liberal persuasions. And, you know, that's really all I can say. About What's your craziest signing die story? Because you've covered, you've, you've been here for how many, do, probably dozens of signing dies. 33 of them. That's more than a dozen or two. But, you know, I can't really talk. There's too many people that are still alive. <laughs> and uh, even though the statute of limitations might have run off, out on a lot of it, it's probably best that I don't even recite any stories about the craziest. <laughs> well, Chairman, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate thank it. Y'all. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. We are walking from the House chambers to the Senate chambers, and there's a sea of lobbyists, of lawmakers, of just interested folks. Earlier, there, were, there was a big stack of donuts that a conservative group was giving out to lawmakers as they walked around, and we bumped into a veteran uh, operative slash lobbyist who has been here for 12 signy dies. Introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Falsa Bach. Um, I'm currently a lobbyist, and uh, this is like what Greg said. This is my 12th session, and uh, you know we're out here having a, a great signy die so far. So tell us what it's like. You 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 as a lobbyist, you're not allowed in the chambers themselves. You have to watch all the action on these TV screens that are behind me. There's a din of noise always here. There's a lot of energy out here. How do you get your information? How do you keep tabs on what's going on if you can't actually be in the chambers? So the, the the screens in the hallways are very helpful. We Our phones are like attached to our hands at this point. Uh, we are getting text messages from folks all across the Gold Dome telling us what's going on. Um, I like using Twitter a good bit to follow the House, the official House and Senate chamber uh, accounts to kind of give us updates about where bills are going, what the vote counts are, and then what's coming up next. And But tell, tell our audience why the lobbyists need to be here in the Capitol, in the hallways, because you can monitor, obviously, the chambers from your office, from home. You don't have to be down here, but y'all really feel the need to be down here and be here in person. What is that, what is that thinking, and, and what have you been doing today? So the, there is nothing better than FaceTime. Um, being down here, you get information in real time. Um, you know, the screens are helpful. Watching it from home is helpful. But information travels like the speed of light around here. So you have to be on the ground to be able to keep and have the most up-to-date information. So today, you know, lobbyists stand around. We're trying to finish up our uh, priorities and what we've got to get across the finish line. 
watching, make sure, you know, playing some offense, playing some defense, so doing a little bit of everything. So, And if you need to make your case to a lawmaker, how does that work? Are you texting? Are you saying we need to see you in the hallway? Or Are how do you, you do it? asking my daughter who is a page on Monday to go bug a lawmaker for you? All, all of the above. We, we like texting, calling. I mean, we'll email, we'll smoke signal if we can figure out a way how to do that. So page system, everything. So Terrific. And what bills are you watching down here tonight? Um, we're keeping our eyes out. I mean, pretty much everything for the most part. We're just kind of watching all the puzzle pieces are kind of falling together. So just keeping our eye out on what's happening. It's very fluid. Well, thank you so much thank for joining so us. Much. Appreciate it. We appreciate you. On our trek from the House to the Senate, we have now bumped into former Attorney General Sam Owens, who is now active as a lobbyist, uh, among other uh, many, many other things that he involves his life in. And this is not your first Sunny Die, obviously, as well. Uh, talk about what a day in the life is like for a Sunny Die for you. Are you just are you on alert and vigilant pretty much all day until that final gavel is sounded? Actually, I'm probably more vigilant after 9 p.m because a lot now is the normal jostling around and you do this bill before I'm gonna do that bill. Um, so the, the assumption is once they vote on the budget, they'll then actually go into a much higher gear and start passing a lot more bills. So I'll be much more interested, as I said earlier, about nine o'clock, what they start moving at that time. Um, so far, the the two chambers seem to be still amending each other's bills, which delays the ultimate passage of many of these pieces of legislation. So there's really more play so far than final disposition. There seems to be a lot of what we call hostages out there, right? Of And we say hostages in the sense that the House can hold over a, a bill over the Senate's head or, or vice versa. There's a lot of gamesmanship these last couple hours. Well, absolutely, but you also have a new speaker, you have a new lieutenant governor. All those things are expected. They don't have that personal relationship over the years to be able to have that honest discussion in a short time frame to move things forward. They'll get there, you know. Because there's a new speaker, new lieutenant governor, it and it starts to feel pretty chaotic as we get closer to midnight, who do you think is calling the shots around here? Are, are it, is it committee chairmen who see an opening to move a bill that they want to? Will it be ultimately the House or Senate? Do you have a sense of whether or not anyone's in charge right now? Well, I think the speaker and the lieutenant governor and the governor are in charge. Uh, you know, the governor clearly works behind the scenes more. Uh, and frankly, uh, his predecessor did the same. Uh, so I, I wouldn't discount the fact that he's very involved in some of these major pieces of legislation. Um, some committee chairs have more influence than others, but it's it's mainly the three top elected officials in the state. General Olins, thank you so much for joining us. Still to come, inside the Senate chamber. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. 
Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Welcome back. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, with your other host, Patricia Murphy. We're also two of the three Morning Jolt newsletter authors. The Morning Jolt sets the stakes and the agenda in Georgia politics, and you can get it in your inbox every morning if you're a subscriber to the AJC. You can join the community right now by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts and get six months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts so you always know what's really going on. This offer ends Saturday, April 1st, so sign up now. Now let's go back to the Gold Dome. It's 4.19 p.m. and we're in the State Senate. Patricia, one of the hallmarks of this day, just like every legislative day, is there's a lot of hurry up and wait. And right now, there is definitely a lull here at the Georgia General Assembly. We walked over to the State Senate where they are greeting a former state senator who's getting a little speech and everyone's giving him a lot of hurrahs, but this is not the scene we'll see later tonight where they are passing bills at a furious clip. That's exactly right. This is the wait portion of the day, and it really does feel like they're just burning time off the clock. They have nice speeches. They're making points of order, personal privilege. Um, but within several hours, we know that they're going to start to really rush these things across the finish line. Um, but right now, as you said, what's happening on the floor is not representative of what's happening behind closed doors. We know there are negotiations going on about which very large bills can get a hearing, which very large bills are not going to come up for a vote. All of that is not happening on the floor. All of this is happening behind the scenes, behind closed doors. At this point, these are leader-to-leader negotiations. And in the meantime, there are a lot of nice speeches being made. A lot of of clapping and handshaking. We are now joined by AJC State House Correspondent Maya Tiaprabhu, who is here in a, one of those laws we just mentioned. It's actually about to get a little busier. The, the Senate's about to vote on the state budget. But Maya, this is your sixth signing die. Yes. What, what's it been like to cover? Um, it's chaos, I think. Um, it's been a learning, uh, learning curve that with the last minute changes to bills. You have to be on your toes all of the time, paying attention to every piece of paper that comes across the desk to make sure they're not pulling any shenanigans. Um, Or sometimes they're inserting good things, you know, things that people really wanted into bills at the last minute that just weren't able to get across the finish line. So it's been been hectic and um, chaotic, but also a little bit of fun. And by how do you stay vigilant on signing day, particularly from about nine to midnight? First of all, I assume you must have a lot of coffee in your system. I have a five-hour <laughs> energy in my laptop bag right now. Okay, good to on, know. On deck. You've come prepared. Um, but then, as you said, these bills are printed, typically printed out and put in front of reporters to review. But that means you have to be up to speed on what this bill looked like before it went in for negotiations as well. So how do you sort through these reams 
of papers because there's going to be a ton coming across your desk. Yeah, it's a lot of doing quick searches on the um, on the website of what the bill used to look like. Trying to look at line numbers is helpful. Looking at page numbers of bills um, and uh, just reading. Basically, I. When they pass out these amendments, I look at the bill numbers, the first thing I do. So a lot of them are on bills that are small things that, that don't necessarily generate a lot of news coverage. Um, and then sometimes it's a bill that I'm really interested in, and so then I have to quickly uh, get up to speed on what the changes might be. Sometimes there are minor changes too, which is stressful when they pass out like a packet of paper and it's like a tiny change. So Maya, we know that the state budget is coming soon. What? which is a huge piece of legislation, but there are other really big bills still out there. What are you looking for between now and midnight? Um, the big thing I'm looking for is they have started to take pieces of the mental health overhaul bill and insert them to other bills. So we had the first one come out of the Senate and get sent back across the hall to the House. Um, the House is also making moves to, I think they're going to amend the entire bill into a bill over there in the Rules Committee. So we'll see how it all pans out. Um, so that's the big one. And then the other thing is um, like they, re they made a big deal of resurrecting the sports betting bill. Um, and now it's feeling like it might not even come to a vote on the floor. So that's the other one that I'm keeping an eye out for. One more thing before we let you go back to work. Not only did you create that bingo card that's getting a lot of buzz under the Gold Dome, but you're also the author of the 10 Best Dressed Lawmakers Under the Gold Dome. You might be the most popular or the least popular person. I'm sure you've heard from critics and supporters alike. But to us, to Patricia and I and to Shaney B., it adds a little levity to this fine, and I'm sure to so many other people under the Capitol, under the Gold Dome, it adds a, a, some lighthearted levity to the final stretch of this legislative session. Yeah, definitely. You know, the legislative session can be emotional, it can be heavy, and it's something I started doing in 2019, honestly, for my own mental health. It's something to you know, talking to elected officials about what's your fashion inspiration, like who, who inspires you, you know, it, it, it's a break from all of the, the seriousness that we get to do and it, you know, there are people outside of this building who are like, oh, there are more important things that you could be focused on. I'm like, yes, I'm also focused on those, but like, I'm trying to keep myself sane so that I'm able to report stories accurately for you instead of um, just being miserable the whole time. Who is your most controversial pick and why is it Scott Hilton? <laughs> I've actually I've heard from one other person who was, did not agree with that pick, um, but I stand by it. I stand by it. Okay, I have one more very important question. I want to let our audience know that you're wearing a beautiful dress. You're looking very fashionable today too. Who are you wearing, Maya? This is Shein. I love Shein. I gorgeous buy clothes that are like my dresses are like. This is fat. I've That's never ordered Shein? from them. It looks amazing. I don't know who that is. <laughs> You're so I'm going to start doing that. Shein is super cheap. Oh. Speaking, speaking of, of fashion. Wow. Speaking of fashion. Seersucker suit. <laughs> magenta bow tie. Pocket square. Multicolors. Oh, pink socks flamingo, with flamingos. The pink white, flamingo socks. White loafers. Man, this is Senator Mike. Well, whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Those are bucks. <laughs> No, bucks, <laughs> Those are bucks. Those are white bucks that go with your white sucker suit. A, a state of Georgia gold pen. This is State Senator Mike Dugan, one of the most influential lawmakers in this chamber. And he is here to stop by and tell us what it's like to be 
a lawmaker in the middle of the signy dice world? Is it hard to pay attention to everything that's going on? I thought we were going to talk about the best dress list. I didn't know we were going to talk about legislation. <laughs> we also need to talk about what you're wearing when you get done with Greg's question. So you said, is it hard to focus on people asking me questions? No. What's it like to be? What's it like to be? <laughs> This is one of the most frenetic days of the year, right? Um, what's it like to be a lawmaker in the middle of the swirl? Well, most of this, none of this stuff is the first time we're seeing it. Everything that we've seen in here, especially on day 40, has come back and forth a few times. So we're, we're in, in knowledgeable about what's going on with this. Now, every once in a while, you'll hear somebody go, which is this one? Because there will be some that are a common topic. And somebody, you can get like three buzzwords in, you go, Yep, I remember this one. So it looks a little bit more chaotic than it really is. Now, Senator Dugan, because you've been here for a number, have you ever seen last-minute hijinks here at the Capitol? Do people insert things that shouldn't be in there that nobody knew about? Or is, do you have a pretty high comfort level that this is mostly things that you have already seen before? Oh, no. The people will try it all the time. <laughs> uh, I mean, absolutely. They'll try to slide something in. If, if it's something that's... Um, of, of interest to them, you know, they, what we got to remember is everybody's passionate about what they're... Maya Prabhu's best dress list, yay or nay? I mean, she did the best of what she had to work with. <laughs> Who is her most shocking pick? They, all of them were, were very deserving this year. Even Scott Hilton? <laughs> I don't pay attention to the house picks. No, yes. I do want to say that Senator Dugan was on the inaugural list in 2019. He is a very well-dressed senator. Yes, and, and which leads us to our final question. You are from Carrollton, and you are sporting one heck of a seersucker suit. Mm -hmm. Tell us your uh, strategy getting dressed this morning. You've got the bow tie, the pocket square, the white bucks, and the flamingo socks. This is just full Dugan. Yeah, I mean, there's no strategy. I, I, I put my pants on first. <laughs> Um, and just kind of went from there. One leg at a time? Well, actually, to be different, I sat on the bed and pulled both legs up simultaneously. It's not, you got to be very flexible to do that. But He is a flexible, one flexible senator. Well, yes, thank you so much for joining us, Senator. Recognize the senator from the 19th. Speak to the measure. Mr. President, I bring to this body the conference committee report to House Bill 19, the state's FY24 general appropriations budgets. 32.4 billion. It funds every agency from this body, the legislature, to veterans at the end and the services that we provide for our veterans. Really, what you're about to hear is the passage of the number one thing that lawmakers have to do, which is figure out the spending plan. Yes, it's actually the only thing that lawmakers are legally obligated to do and constitutionally obligated to do. And we are here with seven hours left in the legislative session and now we're getting to work on the final debate on the Senate side. It still hasn't gotten through the House yet, this final version, um, but they're now getting to work on this budget. As you said, um, there have been a lot of back and forth. Down here at the Capitol, you'll notice pretty quickly that the most intense negotiations and some of the most intense disagreements are between Republicans, Republicans in the state house and Republicans in the state Senate, really pushing back and forth about the content of these bills on the state budget, along with those cuts to, um, to the, to the uh, Board of Regents, 
that $105 million has been paired back to a $66 million cut. That's not exactly what, what either chamber wanted, but they're splitting the difference on that one. They're also splitting the difference on cuts to Georgia public broadcasting. That is a cut that we weren't expecting to see when the Senate's budget came out. The initial cut from the Senate was 26% of their state of their budget for GPB. That's down to a million dollar cut, but pretty significant. But again, it represents the negotiations that have been happening between the House and the Senate on the budget. And if we went through this budget line by line, we would continue to see those uh, those agreements and um, negotiations and really just splitting the difference in a lot of cases between where the House and Senate started. And again, these are all really negotiations between Republicans. Yeah. Democrats have very little input on this process. And this is one of those bills where Republicans are really driving the train. Although this bill is designed for it to be hard for Democrats to vote against because it includes teacher pay raises, pay raises for law enforcement officials, pay raises for uh, state workers, um, new funding for K through 12 system, all sorts of goodies in there that you can afford when you have, you know, a surge in spending and a surplus of more than six billion dollars. So this is not one of those budgets where there's lots of cuts. Um, and sometimes we hear lawmakers say it's actually harder to appropriate money when there's more money than less money um, because there's a lot of more people wanting to, uh, to dip into that fund when there's, when there's money to spare. At the same time, though, it's going to be really hard for any Democrat to vote against this. I'm sure we might see a few. Um, we've seen a few in the past, but it, it'll always go on the record that they voted against a teacher pay raise. Yeah, absolutely. And the other way to understand this state budget is that it is also the vehicle for a number of Governor Brian Kemp's priorities. Yeah. And so when he was promising on the campaign trail to have additional pay increases for teachers, more pay increases for law enforcement officers, more funding for law enforcement and policing around the state. All of that is embedded in the state budget. And so the governor's hand is very much apparent in this budget document as well. He's been able to come in um, as really the most powerful person here in the state capitol, uh, lay out his own priorities and see those reflected very clearly in the budget. And that's exactly what this document is too. Questions on the adoption of the conference committee report on HB 19. All those in favor of adopting the conference committee report. It's 522. And Senate lawmakers are right now about to vote on the $32.4 billion budget. You can hear there's not much of a scramble because most senators were already in the room. And sometimes you hear them rushing from outside in the halls back here. In this case, there's, about, there's the bell reminding them to go ahead and cast their votes. 40 seconds left. We're about to see a lot of green lights on the board. Green, of course, is yes. Red is no. We'll see plenty of green on the board because this is a bill that even Democrats will reluctantly vote for. Certainly, just about every Republican will vote for. Sometimes we see some no votes from, the, uh, from very conservative members of the legislature who are against any sort of big-ticket government spending. Here we go. Three, two, one. Almost perfect again. I tell you what, my good friend from the mountains up there. On the passage of the of the motion, the yeas are 54, the nays are one. The motion has prevailed, and the Senate has adopted the conference committee report on HB 19. Congratulations, Senator. An easy, easy victory after months of negotiating. A lot happened over the course of 
24 hours at the legislative session. It is now 1 o'clock in the morning. We're still in the state capitol. The legislative session just gaveled over to a, an abrupt finale after a marathon day. Uh, Patricia Murphy, our co-host, is fast asleep. She has to wake up in just a few hours to write the morning jolt. So here I am solo. And here's a recap of all that went down. This year's legislative session might be remembered more for what didn't pass than what did cross the finish line. The latest push to legalize sports betting faltered. A new expansion of mental health care legislation fell apart. A school voucher measure backed by Governor Brian Kemp went down in flames. And a revived push to define anti-Semitism as a hate crime petered out. So it was a tumultuous and eventful legislative session. But of course, lawmakers were able to pass a number of other bills, including the most significant one of all, the only one that they were required to pass, the $32.4 billion state budget. All members voted if so, the clerk will lock the machine on the adoption for the conference committee report HB, HB, HB 19. The yeas are 170, 70, the nays are three, and the committee of conference report is adopted. Well, thanks so much for listening to the Politically Georgia podcast. You can count on new episodes to come out every Wednesday every Friday, or special episodes like this one whenever news breaks. We'll see you next time on Politically Georgia from the AJC. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.